good morning, everybody. My name is Paul. I'm the pastor here at Crosspoint Fellowship, and we are so glad that you are here joining us, whether online or in person. Uh, I've got good news, great news, believe it or not, for those of you stuffing lovers out there. We have met our goal on stovetop stuffing. We collected as a church uh, over 100 boxes. Uh, uh, big props to a certain family that I won't call attention to because they don't want it, but they brought 40 boxes themselves, so they love stuffing. Stuffing connoisseurs. Uh, Okay. Stuffing is going to rule the world now. So a couple other things you want to call your attention to. First of all, uh, we are still collecting. We met our goal with stovetop stuffing. We will take more if you want to bring some in. I'm sure that they could use it. If you would like uh, to bring peanut butter and jelly, I know that's part of the announcements. I'm still in some of your thunder, but we're also collecting peanut butter and jelly. Uh, there's also going to be some other opportunities I know for us to give, and Jake will talk more about those during the Christmas season. But as the saying goes, it is better to give than to receive. And uh, I know our church is a giving and loving church, and so I'm just pumped about it. Guys, I get to preach today. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, it's been the first time in four weeks. It's yeah. the longest drought I've had uh, <laughs> since I took over as pastor, and I am pumped. I'm probably going to yell at you guys lovingly. <laughs> it'll be lovingly yelling. I'm just pumped up. I don't know if it'll be any good. I'm going to be all over the place. I'm so excited. I'm going to stop talking because I'm rambling. We are so incredibly glad you're here. Let's stand up and let's worship Jesus. We're starting a Christmas series today, right, Paul? That's why we got the Christmas decorations up. We're also going to sing a Christmas song, uh, a couple of them today. So uh, join in with me and sing uh, Joy to the World.
His way. 
turn right okay when the lights don't come up like right away I always freak out a little bit because I'm, I'm counting the songs and I'm like wait is it am I too early there's gonna be one day you're gonna have to kick me off so you're gonna be like get down son. we're not done yet <laughs> all right uh, welcome to cross point very glad that you are here uh this morning I'm very encouraged to see all that stovetop stuffing in the back that's awesome we've had uh, a lot of different uh giving opportunities through some of our mission partners this season, and that's been pretty cool to see. We are still collecting peanut butter and jelly for Wheel Fed Pantry, the 29th, uh, which is next Sunday. Yes, it is. Thank you. That is the deadline for peanut butter and jelly for Wheel Fed Pantry. Uh, there's two other opportunities that we're doing for the Christmas season. One of them is we are collecting donations to help provide Christmas gifts for Nightlight. Nightlight is... Uh, one of our long-standing mission partners. Uh, you can donate to that by getting on to Tithely, which is where we have, which is our giving app. And there will be a, a, a selection box up there where you can pick, you know, general giving. And Nightlight is one of those options to give to that. There's another option on there. Uh, we are sponsoring two families through People Helping People this year uh, to give Christmas gifts for kiddos that uh, might not otherwise be able to get uh, something for Christmas. If you need any information on either one of those, uh, either see Caitlin, who's been putting uh, most, connecting most of these dots for these giving opportunities, been doing a great job getting uh, connected with our mission partners. Uh, Joy is also connected to some of that. She's helping out with the Tidely stuff and connecting some other dots there as well. The kids' area is closed today and next week because all the schools went virtual. So that's what we're basing that decision on. We had said from the beginning that if the schools close, the kids' area is going to close as well. So we do have some activities and whatnot for the kiddos on a little table there under the whiteboard. If you want to go check those out during our soon-to-be-had connection break. Speaking of the whiteboard, there are some serving opportunities that are up there. We've had a couple people volunteer for a couple of those. Thank you to those. I saw uh, it was awesome to be greeted when I came into Crosspoint this morning. It's been a while since we've had uh, greeters outside the door, so thank you guys for serving in that capacity. We're going to have a cleaning team meeting soon because a couple people stepped up uh, for that. We still need uh, counters and uh, some kids area volunteers for when that gets back into the full swing of things. I don't think that I have forgotten anything else. Uh, nope, that's it. So now will be our five-minute connection time. If you want some snacks over there, I think Debbie uh, made a fair portion of the snacks. Thank you, Debbie, for that. Uh, go ahead and get some food. The restroom is back over here, and we'll see you back in five minutes. Before we get started this morning, guys, I want to call your attention to something that we have available to all of you. Uh, this is especially for those of you that are joining us online, but really it's good for anybody who has trouble uh, getting to the gathering on Wednesday nights. So if you'll go to our Facebook page, Ava's holding the baby. If you'll go to our Facebook page and you look under the groups, okay, you will see a new group called CPF Republic Virtual Gathering. 
CPF Republic Virtual Gathering. You may or may not have gotten an invite from me. Uh, we want you to join that group. Basically what this is, is this is going to be an online small group led by Zoe Ware. This is an opportunity for those of you that cannot make Wednesday nights for whatever reason, COVID-related scares or schedule, to have a small group community, which I find to be extremely vital for our success as Christians. So if the gathering is not something you can normally make on Wednesday nights, we have a new opportunity for you to get online, to still have that community with other members of our church, to cover the same materials that we'll be covering on Wednesday nights so that we're all in the Word together and we're all looking at the same things, to share prayer requests and need, and to have people there to share in your burdens with you. So we want you to join this, guys. It's, again, it's on Facebook. Most of you already have Facebook. Go to our Facebook page, look under groups. It's called CPF Virtual Gathering. We already have 11 members, uh, so people are joining. We want you to be a part of this. This, again, is something that you can do throughout your week, and uh, it's very low stress, very high reward, which is the type of things that I like. Low stress, high reward. With that being said, now that that's kind of out there in the open, that's going to start in two weeks, okay? Two weeks. So this week, we won't have the gathering in person because of Thanksgiving, and then we won't have the gathering virtually. But in two weeks, it's going to start. We're going to get uh, things rolling there. You'll already see some posts asking for prayer requests. So if you have those things, you can listen. I'm really excited about it. I'm really passionate about it. I want you guys to be able to dive into it. Um, I think it's going to be really good for our church. So if you can't come in person on Wednesday nights, I'm going to say this again. Please, please, please join the virtual gathering. Now, we're going to dive into the cast of Christmas. This is the first week of our series. I'm really excited about it. We're looking at Zechariah. The Christmas story is one that I love because the impossible frequently occurs. Time and time again, we see God do the miraculous. Every time you think, well, that's not possible, God's like, hey, I'm God, which I think pretty cool. And the story, the Christmas story and everything that surrounds it just points to a good and loving God who loves us more than anything in the whole world. And I think it's important that we see God in this manner. And so we're going to look today at Zechariah. Now, God works beyond the realm of human comprehension to begin a series of events that paves the way for the ministry of Jesus and the salvation of the world. And it starts with Zechariah. Now, a little background information on Zechariah, if you're not like super familiar. I know it's a Christmas story. We've all heard it a hundred times. And so we probably know a lot of this, but I'm just going to lay it out. Zechariah was the father of JTB. That's right. The first three-letter representation in our world, John the Baptist. It was before JTT, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and any other three-initialed person that we had. I don't even know anybody doesn't matter. There was like a DGB. I remember him because he was a football player. There's RG3. He was also a football player. This is like the first one. It's JTB. It's John the Baptist. Zachariah was his pappy. Pappy. I'm going to have my grandkids call me pappy. I'm excited. Can you tell? He lived during the rule of Herod the Great. He lived during the rule of Herod the Great. Now, if the Bible is to believe, which I believe it and I hope you do too, but if the Bible is to be believed, Zachariah and Elizabeth were upright and righteous in the eyes of the Lord. They followed all of his commands. They did so without any issue. God looked at them and said, these are upright and righteous people. Another thing about them is that his wife and he were very old and childless. Major issue for them, major part of this story. Now, during this time that we're about to look at Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah's priestly division was on duty for one of his two weak I don't, I don't know why I want to call it tours. One of his two-week terms. That's what I want to call it. One of his two-week terms of the year. So every year he would serve in the uh, church for a single week. Okay, for, for a full week. He was there. He was devoted. 
He was there the entire time. And so he's in the middle of serving one of those two terms. And it's during this time that Zechariah is chosen to offer incense, okay, offer incense for the prayers um, of the entire Jewish nation. So Zechariah is getting to offer this incense at the altar of incense. And because of the large number of priests in his day and age, this would have been the only time, the only time in his entire life that he got this honor. And that's important because he has this honor and because he's offering the prayers to God of the entire Jewish nation, he is the focal point of the nation at this time. All eyes are on Zechariah. And so keeping all that in mind, we're in Luke chapter one today. We'll kind of jump around, but we're going to start in verses five and go through seven. It says, in the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to a priestly division of Abijah. I don't know if that's right pronunciation, but I like it. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. I know that's correct. Also pronounced A-A-Ron. Just kidding. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. Hey, I said that. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, what we see in these verses is something that we see in Scripture all over the place. It's something that I like to call the stipulation. The stipulation. Now, the stipulation is this. You have a person or persons who strongly desire something that they do not have, and with that is paired the statement that they were upright and righteous in the eyes of the Lord, only to later find out that those people are granted exactly what their heart's desire was. And if you guys didn't know, Zachariah is the father of JTB. Remember that? So his wish, his wish, his desire was granted. His desire was granted. Now, Elizabeth, Zechariah, they wanted a child more than anything. They were seen as righteous and upright before the Lord and were later blessed with this desire, even though their circumstances said, hey, this shouldn't happening, mainly their age. They were real old. Like, think your grandparents having a baby, okay? Think your grandparents having a baby. Ashley, don't laugh, not just your parents. I'm saying think your grandparents having a baby, right? Like, she started chuckling. Chelsea, it's not me. She did it. I'm interactive. It's a thing. So think your grandparents like having a baby. This was not supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to happen, but it did because, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were righteous and upright before the Lord, and he wanted to bless them. Now, I strongly believe, how does this apply to you? I'm going to tell you. I strongly believe that God wants to do the impossible in your life. God wants to do the miraculous for you in your life. The thing that can't be accomplished without his intervention, God wants to bring that about in your life. It's no accident, and this is why this part of the story is important, it's no accident that one's righteousness and desired blessing are so often paired together. So-and-so didn't have this, but they were seen as upright and righteous in the eyes of God, and so God granted it to them. It's no accident that it kind of follows that pattern of events. Now, don't get me wrong. God is God. And he is in control of everything. And he can show you grace at any point. He can give you gifts that you don't deserve. We could argue right now that even though Zechariah and Elizabeth were seen as upright and righteous, they may not have necessarily deserved a gift from God either. God is God. He can show you grace at any point in time for any reason just because he wants to because he is God. But we can't let ourselves be fooled into thinking that people that we see that so often are blessed are just done so by accident. 
It's just happenstance. They just happened to receive this blessing from the God, and I didn't. And, and it, it's just by chance. Like God flipped a coin, and all of a sudden it landed on heads, and they called heads that day, and now they get this blessing. Too often as Christians, I think we do that to ourselves. We, we want to look at other people, and we want to just say, well, their blessing was kind of luck, right? They just happened to be blessed. And I'm not saying that that's not necessarily the case, but I think that in those instances, what we really need to do is applaud them for living an upright and righteous life before God. And we have to understand that there is a direct connection between the way that we live our lives and the blessings that we might receive. We cannot expect the miraculous if our spiritual ducks are not in a row. I'm not saying that it can't happen. I want, I want you to hear the distinction. I'm not saying that we can't see the miraculous if our spiritual affairs aren't in order. I'm saying that we cannot come to expect it if our spiritual affairs are not in order. If you want God to work in your life in a certain and specific way, you want him to use you in a new way, you want, you want to have something occur, then you need to help yourself out by living a life that is upright and righteous. Because the fact of the matter is you do nothing but improve your chances of seeing God move than when you live your life in a manner that's pleasing to him. That dream that's too big to dream. The desire for God to use you more. I hear that a lot. As a pastor, I hear that specific statement more than anything else. I just want God to use me more. I've been doing ministry since I was 18, and I hear that multiple times every year from multiple people. I just want God to use me more. That vision that you have for your future that seems just too good to be true, all of these things that seem outside of our grasp, that area that, again, you, got, you want God to work in your life, all these things, they can be done but you need to help yourself out by working towards righteousness. And guys, sometimes the fact of the matter is that you just need to get out of God's way. You just need to get out of God's way. So we come to the point in the story, this angel, this, I say this angel, but he has a name. His name is Gabriel. Now, Gabriel, kind of a big deal amongst the angels. Like He was the one that was delivering all the messages to David. He later delivers the message to Mary that Jesus is coming. Like Gabriel is like God's messenger. So Gabriel comes to Zechariah while he's in the temple offering this incense. And we get this in verse 18 and 20. And the angel tells Zechariah he's about to have a child, right? He said, hey, you're going to have this kid. It goes on and on. And then Zechariah asks the angel. After the angel appears to him, in the place of incense, you're going to have a child. Zachariah says this, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. How, <laughs> Zachariah, ooh, how can I be sure of this? Uh, and the angel's like, well, you big dummy. That's what he says in 19. It just says it different in your Bible. <laughs> well, you big dummy, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. You see, Zechariah experiences the miraculous. 
He has everything that we all want. God is moving in his life. And hey, it's as obvious as it gets for Zechariah. This is an angel. It's an angel. And Zechariah goes, how can you be sure? <laughs> what? What? Guys, if an angel shows up on the... I know, Henry. If an angel shows up on stage right now, you stand next to me, he's like, hey, Paul, and all you guys can hear this, and I'm assuming there's going to be some sort of music. If not, Evan will play it, and he'll be like, ha, <laughs> right? And the angel will be like, Paul, I want you to do this. And you guys are... And I'm like, you sure? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you guys would look at me like, what in the world is wrong with you, which is exactly, I'm sure, how the angel, the angel had to be looking at Zachariah sideways. How can you be sure? He was like, what? You big dummy, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Now you're going to be silent. You are going to be silent. He's told by the angel that he's going to have a son, the, the biggest desire of his heart, and his answer is, are you sure? Gabriel's silencism, which I'm telling you, had to be a huge favor to Z. I'm calling him Z now. We're on, we're on that cool terms. He's my boy Z. Zachary. Had to be a huge favor to him because if he had lips that could still express some words, I am fairly confident that he would have talked his way out of that blessing. You see that happen too. Nation Israel does it time and time again. We all had done it, right? Some of you start flapping and it's like, never mind. Okay, you, want, you know, my kids do it all the time. Hey, we're going to do this. Okay, we're going to go to ice cream. I didn't want ice cream. I wanted lasagna-flavored gelato. And I'm like, okay, now we're not getting anything. Like, I don't know if that's a thing either. But just saying, we settle down. We all talk our ways out of blessings all the time, and we need to not do that. And so this huge favor comes to him. He's silenced. Sometimes, guys... Sometimes we just need to shut our mouths or we need God to shut them for us. But sometimes we just need to shut our mouths and get out of the way. You see, here's the thing. Doubt, doubt is the enemy of the miraculous. Doubt is the enemy of the miraculous. Matthew 21, 21, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and you do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, this after the fig tree wouldn't have been, Jesus like, you'll never bear fruit again. And it was like, wow, well, I died. And everybody's like, ooh. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm telling you that if you have faith and you don't doubt, not only can you do what I did to that fig tree, but you can tell a mountain to just fall into the water. Go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you have faith and you do not doubt, There have been very few times where I have expressed faith. And I'm going to be frank with you now. There hasn't been a little bit of doubt. But it doesn't say if you have faith and you only have a tiny bit of doubt. It says if you have faith and you do not doubt. Then you can do pretty much anything. How many times in your life has the Spirit led you in a direction but you talked your way out of it. It's not convenient. Just not the best time for me. I've got yoga at 5.30 and I really gotta make it. Right? Like, stop it. Or you're not qualified. I'm, I just, I've never done this before and 
there's other people, and they, they, mm, I just, I don't really have the skill set. Uh, maybe if I take a class first, there's like an online class of like how to talk to people about Jesus, and I'm just going to go do that real quick. There's a couple YouTube videos, like, I'm just not qualified. I just, somebody else needs to do it. Or you just aren't 100% sure, like you didn't have the angel show up to you, which apparently doesn't make a huge difference because Zachariah was still like, hey, are you sure, right? But you didn't have the angel that like came and slapped you in the face and was like, hey, this is exactly what I want you to do. And so you don't have 100% certainty, and so you're not willing to step out of the boat onto the water and walk to Jesus, even though the Spirit is trying to move you in a direction. Me too. But we just, we just can't, kind of wrap our hands around it. Now's not a good time. Now's not a good time. And that's different than it's convenient. Convenient is I've got so much other things going on and I just, I would have to shift those things around. Now's not a good time is saying that this time that the spirit has led you to do a certain thing that God has placed on your heart to work and to move. You are looking at God and saying, you need to ask later. You need to ask later. Because it just doesn't work for me right now. Or my all-time favorite, someone else would do it better. Someone else would do it better. I mean, I know, like, I have this idea, and I think God wants me to do it, but somebody else would do it better. Okay, well, two things. Keep your idea to yourself if you're not going to be the one to do it. Or realize that God's calling you to do it, and it doesn't matter if somebody else might do it better. Just realize that they're not doing it now. Well, somebody else might do it better. God called me to run a marathon tomorrow. First things first, I would cry and then probably die at some point along the road. But there's a million, if not billion, other people in this world who would do it better. And I could rely on that if somebody else would run it better. Yeah, no dip. You weigh 300 pounds and the most exercise you've gotten is crawling out of bed in the morning when your back is like, oh, I hate you. Right? We can always come up with reasons why we shouldn't be used in the way that the Spirit is trying to use us, in the way that God is trying to use us. We can always come up with excuses why we shouldn't do the thing that Jesus died for us to have the right to do. Every time you turn your nose up at God's leading, you're turning your nose up at what Jesus did on the cross. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that. Maybe it doesn't seem possible. We look at all these things. It's not convenient. I'm not qualified. I'm not 100% sure. It's not a good time. Someone else would do it better. It seems impossible. We talk our way out of the things that God is trying to lead us to do, and then we wonder later why we've missed out on the blessing. Why did I miss out on the blessing? Why does everything seem to work for so-and-so and just never seems to work out for me? What we need to do is remove ourselves from the situation, to let go and let God. It really is a great saying. We have to let go, release the reins, and just let God run rampant in your life and move you every which way. And you will find, frankly, a happiness that I don't think you've ever experienced when you can fully commit yourself over to God.
we look at uh, Luke chapter 1 and 21 and 22. It says, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. You see, Zechariah honestly was removed from the situation. His ability to easily express himself to the Jewish nation that was surrounding where he was at at the time, that had all their eyes on him, and he was removed from the equation. His ability to express was taken away. And this is what we learn. When we take ourselves out of the equation, the only thing that people have left to see is God. The only thing that people have left to see is Jesus. The only thing that people have left to see is the Spirit and how the Trinity has moved in our lives. It's the only possible explanation for the miraculous that is occurring before them. Let me get no credit for the miracle that has taken place in my life. Let me get no credit for where I am at currently. Let people know that the good in me, all the good that there is, I'm not saying it's a lot, I'm just saying that all the good that, that is there within me, let people know that it is because of God. Let people know that the miracle was because God made it so. Know that God and God alone is responsible for what you are seeing take place. See, when Zechariah was at the very peak of his ministry, the focal point, again, for the entire Jewish nation, God got the credit for the phenomenon before them. God got all the credit. All eyes were on Zechariah, and God got every bit of credit in that instance. Who gets the credit when the world's watching you? Who gets the credit when the world's watching you? You may never find yourself the focal point of an entire nation. But in your life, multiple times in your life, you are the focal point for some amount of people that are around you. And you, when you are on that pedestal, when you are in that place before them, who is getting the credit? You or God? You know, it's one of the things that we make fun of a lot. Um, and I don't know why we do it. It's just maybe because we don't think they're living the best life. But, you know, the first thing that, like, athletes and musicians, and anytime they get an award or they have a win, one of the first things you hear from a lot of athletes is I've got to give all the credit to God. And I frankly find that remarkable. A lot of times we look at that skeptically and we kind of look down on it. Oh, they're just saying. We're talking about people at the very peak, the very peak of their careers with a microphone and a television camera in their face. And the first thing they do is give credit to God. And you can think about that however you want. 
But sometimes I wonder if those of us that are in the church every Sunday would think to do the same. If we had a microphone and a camera and we were being broadcast to millions of people, would the first thing that we do be to give credit to God? That's a question that we have to answer. Because here's the thing, our miracles bear witness to God. Luke chapter 1, 57 through 66, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. They shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, but his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has this name. They made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child, because apparently the mother's opinion didn't matter. And he asked her for, or he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's greatest astonishment, he wrote, his name is John, which is what a good husband and a smart husband would do. Yeah, guys, his, his name's John. I don't know if you just heard what she said, but I agree. 64, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. And everyone who heard the wonder and, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone who heard this wondered about it asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Your miracle is never yours alone. Your miracle is never yours alone. I want to be clear about something. Sometimes we hear that word and, and it's, it's a word that I don't think is overused. I don't think miracle is overused. But like I think when we hear miracle, we expect like this big, extravagant, like, and I don't want to be insensitive, but like somebody had cancer and 99% of their body somehow was still living and God just took it all away. And obviously that's a miracle. Okay. Obviously. And I'm, but sometimes we look at the small things as if they're like no big deal. You know, I got my paycheck at the exact minute I needed it because we were struggling. We didn't have food, Right. That's miraculous. That's perfect. That's godly. When those little things come in and just completely change our outlook and our view of the world, those things are miraculous. And so your miracle, first of all, don't, I, what I'm, where I'm saying this is I don't want anybody to think that like I've never had a miracle happen in my life. No, you have. I just don't know if you're looking at it the right way. And what you need to understand is that your miracle is never yours alone. It bears witness to a good God Who's great, his greatest desire is to bless his people. John the Baptist's birth, JTB, was Zachariah's blessing, but it bore witness to the people. It showed the greatness of the God he served, and it paved the way for the coming Messiah. God, I want you to hear that. Zachariah's miracle was his. He got the, the baby boy that he had longed for for so long. And Elizabeth did too. And God blessed them with that. And it was their miracle. I, I have zero doubt that they looked at that baby and saw their miracle. 
But that miracle was not theirs alone. John the Baptist grew up and he paved the way for the ministry of Jesus. He filled, fulfilled prophecy. His life was exactly what God said it would be and without him trailblazing a path, Jesus' ministry would not have occurred because that's the way that God said it would be. What I want you to understand is that your miracle may just be another person's path to the Messiah. Your miracle may just point somebody in the direction of God. Never, ever stop singing the praises of the Father. Do it annoyingly so. Fill Facebook with it all the time. Like and share all the stuff. So people know you love Jesus. Because if you don't, then it's in question. That's a joke. That was a joke. Trying to end with some levity. See, he gets it. Thank you. But I mean it, guys. Never, ever stop putting God and Jesus in the spirit at the forefront. Dive backwards, push them forwards, do whatever you have to do. But never, ever stop singing the praises of the Father because it just might bring someone else into the family. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. Lord, I, I hope that this message resonates with everyone as well as it did with me. Uh, God, I know that sometimes I look at things and I, I get so overwhelmed by the way that life's going and I, I don't see all the miracles that happen for me every single day. And there's so many times where you're leading me in a direction and I try to talk myself out of it or I, I just, I, I don't fully give in to that. And, and Lord, that is sinful. That is wrong. That's smacking Jesus in the face, frankly. And God, I want to just lift all of us up. I want to pray that you break down our walls and open up our hearts and give us only one desire, and that's to live a life that is absolutely 1,000% pleasing to you. Help us to be beacons of hope for a world that so desperately needs hope. Let us remove anything and everything in our lives that detracts from that. Whether we are right or whether we are wrong, it does not matter if we are pulling people away from Jesus. God, help us to just Help us to just open our eyes to the miracle that our lives are for the blessings that each and every one of us have received. It's so easy to be torn down and discouraged by what we see happening in our world and in our community. But at the end of the day, we need to remember that the victory is already won. It's already won. Let us live lives that do nothing but point people directly to Jesus. God's name we pray. Amen.
I'm going to go stand right back there where the whiteboard was that Jake pointed to at the beginning of uh, service with all the things. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be worshiping, and I want you to stand, and I want you to worship as well. But if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come pray with me. Okay, prayer is important. It's absolutely important. And I think it's important that you have people praying with you and praying for you. So if there's something going on in your life right now that you need prayer for, please come pray with me. Allie, right there, see, she's going to raise her hand, see? If you would rather pray with her, uh, I'm going to be offended. I will be happy and joyous and go pray with her, okay? There's some others. Rodney, I'll have Rodney kind of stand. We're going to have lots of options this morning. Just come and pray with us this morning. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, come and pray with us this morning. Some of you don't know Jesus. We talked about Zachariah today and kind of how his miracle paved the way for Jesus to come. Jesus loves you more than anything else in the world. I don't don't know how else to say it. And he died on a cross because he loves you that much as a way that he could make atonement for your sin, for all the wrong things that you've done. And, And forgiveness, it's there. For anybody and everybody, the minute that you sincerely repent and ask for it. So if you don't know Jesus, guys, I'm telling you that we at least need to have a discussion about it today. Even if you want to come and lay out your case for why I'm foolish for believing in him, and you want to tell me all your doubts, you can do that. But let's talk about Jesus before you leave this building today. If you love Crosspoint like I love Crosspoint, you're not a member of our church yet, that's not something you have to do necessarily now. You can. I'm not against it. But talk to me today. Well, let's just talk about what that looks like, okay? Otherwise, let's stand right now. Let's worship. Let's pour our hearts out. Let's thank God for all the good things that he's done because it's tremendous. You see.
all of us can say that at least one miracle has happened in our lives, and, and really we can point to dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of miracles that God has done, but um, the miracle of his salvation is uh, true of everyone in this room that uh, calls Christ their Savior. Um, he is the one who, um, who brought about grace and forgiveness in your life. That is a miracle. That should not happen. That should not have been done uh, according to God's uh, justice, um, his, um, his nature to punish sin. That should not happen. Uh, but God, through his miraculous grace, has given us um, forgiveness of all of our sins. We can stand before him blameless, and that should not happen. Amen. Let's continue to sing about what he's done. Yes, Jesus, you're, he's the real. 
praise him this morning. He's done the impossible. He's done the impossible in all of us. Because of that, that amazing um, that amazing day when his very body began to breathe. That was that should be impossible. The dead do not come back to life. And yet he did. We've been teaching our, our daughter about um, the resurrection day and and it's just it it seems impossible like when death is final there's one thing we know about this life and then that is that when when somebody dies when when anything dies it's it's forever it's permanent but it is not permanent in god nothing is permanent nothing is is sealed um, that can't be done that can be can't, can't be overridden god is is the one who uh, wrote life and he can rewrite it. He can, he can change the, the, the narrative in your life. I truly believe that. It's all because of him. It's what he can do. Um, we're going to sing one more song of celebration. It's a, um, just a great Christmas song um, that um, the chorus says, Gloria in excelsis Deo, which is um, Latin for uh, glory to God in the highest, in the highest heavens. We want to praise him. We want to give him glory for everything that he's done in our lives. And this is a great way to sing it, to sing that thanks. Um, we're going to take our, our um, we're not going to take our offering. We're going to give you a chance to give in the back if, on your way out if you'd like to give. It's in, next to that lamp in the back. There is a little box. And I'm going to pray for our offering. God, we thank you for everything that you've done. Um, you are doing miracles. You are moving mountains in our lives daily, whether we see it or not. Whether it is a small thing that we write off as just chance or luck or someone working in our lives um, and we don't see you at the heart of it, God. Lord, I, we repent of that. We, we ask, Lord, that we would see you in all things, especially when, when something should not be, and yet it is. We know who is that truly at work. We know that it is you who is doing the, 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 the miracle of that moment. God, we thank you for working miracles in our lives daily. And I thank you on behalf of everyone here this morning uh, for the ones that we don't see you, that we don't see that you are the one that's doing it. And we just write it off, Lord. We apologize and we say thank you, Lord, and we glorify you. Lord, as we give our tithes and our offerings this morning and ask you to move, move in this town, move in this, in this city, Lord, in which we live. Let more and more people look, turn their eyes to heaven and see you as the God who is working miracles even today. You are not dead. You are alive. We love you, God, and we give you glory now. In my pray. Amen. Sing this with me. Bethlehem 
So much reason to, play, to praise him, to give him glory this morning. Um, thank you, Paul, for, for uh, introducing this series in the way that you did. I, I think that's really going to color the way people see Christmas already. So thank you for doing that. Uh, remember to look for miracles this week. God is going to do miracles in your life this week, whether you realize it or not. Um, look for them and then celebrate them. Celebrate them on, on Facebook. Tell your friends. Let, God, uh, let them know what God is doing in your life. God is at work. All right. We'll see you next time for some more Christmas series. Learn more about the cast of Christmas. We'll see you then.